TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 526, and I'm Olivia, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, I'm Tom. I chair the communication department at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hi, I'm Allison, and I write reviews for Weedonopolis. Hi, this is Yusun, costume designer and TV enthusiast from Los Angeles. Hey, this is Peter. I live in Hollywood, and I write for Why So Blue. All right, let's start off with the news. Tom, bring us in. What you got? ABC. Jeff Garland has been fired from the Goldbergs after an extensive HR investigation. Wow. He will not be returning this season. Is he the dad? He's the dad. Okay. Wow. And they they just lost Grandpa when George Siegel died last year or so. Or I guess that was earlier this year. Uh, Amazon has announced that John Hamm will return as the Archangel Gabriel in Good Omens Season 2. Apple TV Plus has renewed Servant for its fourth and final season. CBS has picked up the CSI Vegas Revival for Season 2. At the CW, Kaylee Bryant, who plays Josie Saltzman, has left Legacies after four seasons. Uh, Disney-branded television has attached Wilmer Valderrama to star in and executive produce a live-action Zorro series. Disney Plus canceled Diary of a Future President after two seasons, and they've also landed The Goonies Project Our Time, which is about a teacher who helps students recreate shot-by-shot the original movie. FX has signed an overall deal with Reservation Dogs co-creator Sterling Harjo. HBO Max has announced that Blue Beetle will move to theaters, not just on HBO Max. Uh, NBC, best news I've heard of this week, Sam Waterston is returning to Law & Order Original Recipe as District Attorney Jack McCoy. So wow. right now, he and Anthony Anderson are the uh, only only actors from season 20 10 <laughs> years ago who are returning for season 21, because they both had series in between that just came to an end, or coming to an end. Netflix canceled Julian the Phantoms, Avatar The Last Airbender live-action series, has cast Elizabeth Yu as Azula, Yvonne Chapman from Family Law as Avatar Kyoshi, Maria Zhang as Suki, Tamlin Tamita from Koba Kai as Suki's mother Yukari, and Casey Camp Horanek from Reservation Dogs as Grand Grand. And finally, Netflix has signed Megan Thee Stallion to an exclusive first-look deal to create and executive-produce content, including television series and other projects. Paramount Plus picked up Why Women Kill for Season 3, uh, and Showtime has renewed Yellow Jackets for season two. All right, let's start off with the shows. First up, we're going to talk Wheel of Time, episodes six and seven. And this uh, episode six was basically with the Amarillo seat. And we got to see Moraine's relationship with the Amarillo seat, which was initially appeared to be hostile when she was having you know the meeting and there was a lot of bowing and scraping and kissing of rings and then that evening when they meet up there's a lot of bowing and scraping and kissing of (laughs) rings but like in the more in the more intimate uh arena 
Uh, Which I so, understand is a change from the book. Uh, oh, it said that they were the book. It has them as best friends, but it insinuates that they were they Lovers. were pillow. They, have they, they, they called it they pillow friends. Pillow friends. Like I was like, I feel like that's the same thing. So like in the book, what they had is in the book straight up. There was no reference to it, but they had a prequel called Springtime, which is them as as novices. And in that version, I understand that they were referred to as pillow friends. Okay. So. And, eh. and I'm assuming not like pillow fight pillow friends. <laughs> well, I mean, there could be pillow fights. I don't know. I don't know what they get if up to. Whatever your kink is. Yeah. But anyway, but what I did like was the subterfuge involved to find out that the two of them since they were novices have been working towards the same goal, but nobody knows about it, but them that they've been trying to follow the prophecy of the dragon reborn and trying to find them. And the two of them are on the same page, but they can't let anybody know they're on the same page. And so that part I thought was pretty cool. Um, and then in the next episode, it's very much about, they had a, they had a, flashback where you see this woman which i'm mm-hmm. not sure if you guys know got who that was that was an aiel well we warrior. do by the end okay that's an aiel warrior and uh the thing about that area of the world is the women and the men are trained as really hardcore fighters as we she see is amazing i know as we yeah. see her with yeah. like she is literally in labor she is in, in labor, labor and oh. like killing guys I mean, like, it was her like, like versus three or four guys at one time, and they were in armor, and she was jacking them up. It was amazing. <laughs> she was it was awesome. amazing. It was shot beautifully too. Like really, you know, not a lot of um, cutaways or like it was done in like bright snow, so there's not even like darkness or shadow to kind of like help you out or throw. I mean, it was. I have to say that uh, I, by this time in our lives. Uh, you know, just in terms of media and also our age specifically, I don't think I've seen as original a fight scene ever. It was so, uh, not just the quality, but it, the actual fighting, her moves and everything were uh, like original, fantastic. I mean, it, it's default original because I, I don't think I've ever seen or heard of a woman in labor fighting, you know, like that or, <laughs> yeah. you know, not, you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, it, it was really, really cool. Up. And oh my god but i have to say for originality i don't i mean it was incredible it it was truly breathtaking i had to rewind um you know uh because i like i said it wasn't just the novelty of the the situation but the execution was fantastic and as an actress even uh when she finally you know uh defeats everybody and then crawls to a rock to give birth uh and in that moment she gets the spear to her and the look of just oh my god i just did what and now i'm gonna die you know what i mean like i was she... like totally rooting for her and i'm like oh man that gotta suck <laughs> yeah <laughs> that guy came out of no and my other thing is like what fully armored guys are trying she is obviously super pregnant like and these right. guys are legit really trying to kill her and i was like yeah they are and i was like dudes what are you doing but I did really like that yeah, they... and it's they... very interesting because... No, I was right. just going to say, I really liked that at the very end where she's, like, ripped open her pants and she's like, all right, let's get this baby out. And this dude shows up with the sword and she's like, oh, come on. And he's just like, no, I'm going to help you. 
and you realize that it's actually uh, Rand's father. Or bum bum bum. And you're like, oh wait a minute, one plus one equals. Uh, and well, so. I, they're redhead too. When yeah. she when she popped off her, her thing, and I was like, oh, I know how she fits into this story. You know right. what I mean? Because it was so amazing. I you know I forgot plot. I was just thinking fight. Uh, and then you know, and then they take her her uh, uh, whatever, and she, you see the red hair, and I was like, I don't know how this actually is going to be explained, but certainly she's her his mom. That cold opening was was tight. Let me just say that I liked when Marine opens the Stargate, and then they go through the mines of Moria, and they're being chased by orcs <laughs> until they get to the other side and cross like Casa Doom, and I'm not <laughs> a lot of fantasy authors rip each other off, <laughs> especially considering that Tolkien ripped off the Icelandic Eddas, but man, that felt, I mean, I'm not complaining, I just thought it was really interesting that, hey, I understand this part. Are, right. are you suggesting it's a trifle derivative? <laughs> somebody it's was copying some, bit. yeah, somebody was copying somebody, but I did like that when, um, uh, when, uh, no, Matt leaving behind, staying behind was a surprise. Like, cause that in the books, that does not happen. Matt goes with them. And so I was like, wait, what? So I like, I like that that was surprising, but then I was thinking about the battle that's coming and I was like, well, technically Matt was not essential for that battle. So, eh, all right. Um, so it's all leading towards this, you know, we only have one episode left and what's really cool is they showed that cold open and we revealed that, that Rand has a different mother than we thought and that his father was not really his father. And so we don't know anything about, basically it's revealed that we don't know his backstory at all. Everybody's like, oh, we're all two rivers folks. But I was like, are we though? And uh, you don't really, you don't really know what, what all of that means. And then you get to the end and he has these visions and he's like, and you realize he's been channeling when everybody was looking at Matt thinking that he was channeling the, the one power. That's why he's going nuts. And you realize Rand's been channeling it this whole time. Um, and they did, they revealed all like, they're like, they show you moments that you think you saw, you think you understood but then they're like, nope, this is really what happened. And so he's like, yep, it's me. Um, what'd you guys think of that? I I was just kind of, you know, left sort of blah by it, honestly. <laughs> First of all, his, char his character as it is and the actor who plays him is just incredibly bland. I mean, he's, mm -hmm. he's just so generic. Um, you know, he's he's the generic white ingenue um, and he's he's just not interesting in any way. And frankly, I don't think that they, they built his character up in any way toward this reveal in, in a way that I, I could, I could right. get. Right. And, and I think that was part of what Prue was talking about a couple weeks ago is that they left out to make it a mystery to figure out who the dragon reborn is. They left out a lot of Rand's backstory so that it wouldn't be obvious, but now when they right. did the but reveal, they went over overboard yes, because yes. what they should have done was, you know, leave little breadcrumbs so that right. the audience mm -hmm. can go, wait, 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 what about this? And how about right. that? Right. You know, and at least look back in retrospect and say, oh, so this was all leading up to this. Right. Instead, we don't get anything about his character. I mean, he is really just dishwater dull until this last episode when they say, oh, remember all these other times when these things happened and it was supposed to be other people? Well, it was really him after all. And it's like, you just feel like saying, well, big whoop. 
Um, I don't care. Uh, and and we go directly from from that to him just showing up on the doorstep and going, "Yeah, it's me." And then I, I could just. I could just feel the showrunners just going, yeah, well, it's in the books, so we have to do it. All right, you know, here's the scene. It's, well, I mean, actually, that's not in the, the actually that's not in the books. That's not how it happens. But... Well, no, it's in the books that he's the dragon. Yes, so that's they have true. To reveal it somewhere. That's that's what it, really what I'm saying. So it's like, you know, I mean, they had to they had to go with it. They had to reveal it because I that's felt like there it. were. I felt like they could have, in my mind, based on what I know is the big fight that happens later, they could have revealed it that way. But then since they set themselves up to be like, if you're not the dragon and you go to this battle, you're going to die. You know, Mm -hmm. I think they set themselves up to having to figure out a way to keep the other people from going. And this was their solution. I don't know if it worked well. I'm hoping the big battle is actually as cool as I envision in my head. Fingers crossed. That's next week. Allison, I can't remember if we texted between the two of us or whatever, but I was hoping, gee, I hope it's not the boring white dude, <laughs> savior guy. Yeah, and fast forward, fast forward through all the episodes, it's the boring white dude. It's like, here's the problem. I don't mind. I mean, and I, I, I appreciate greatly that they have a multi-ethnic cast when evidently Jordan wrote everybody as white. So yay, diversity. However, comma, you should have cast a more interesting actor because this kid is terrible. I mean, he's he's decent looking, but he makes Anakin Skywalker have personality. (laughs) Nice call out. Nice call out. I feel like Peter's going to be like fighting words for him. I mean, he and and I'm sorry, I wasn't a big fan of I wasn't a big fan of the original Matt either. But the women are, for the most part, are pretty good. And I loved. um um, Rosamund Pike and the dude who's num- the number her her horror ward her ward yeah that dude's that dude's awesome I found out yeah. he's, the, he's the voice of Tadashi in uh, Big Hero Six but yeah it's just like why would you cast somebody who's pretty but can't act with no personality to play yeah, the lead character I mean it happens yeah but still it's like you fired the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, for reals, I, I want to jump in two things. I, uh, due to technical difficulties, I don't actually know what you guys had already said, so uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm really, really repeating. But I'll jump in with the diversity situation. Uh, when they got to wherever that town was, uh, uh, you know, and it opened up, I thought, oh, this is the Asian section. Yes, like, yes, exactly. <laughs> because I, I was like, whoa, everybody's Asian, and and it kind of what a what an easy you know, great way to kind of throw in a whole bunch of Asians. It's the town is run by, you know, um, and I didn't, you know, I didn't feel that it was like pandering or extra, you know, uh, woke or anything. It seemed very natural, you know, and it, and it was kind of nice to see, uh, you know, cause there was a lot of representation, uh, you know, here and there, but not super Asian. I mean, the ward is obviously Asian or part Asian or whatever, but it's not really defined. Whereas the town was definitely like, Oh, here you go. Um, I want to jump back to six though. Uh, I said a whole bunch of stuff off podcast, but not on purpose. Um, so I really have to say this. I know you guys, um, you know, and the listeners are probably like, oh, God, she's going to talk about costumes again. But I mean, it is my shtick. So um, that being said, I have to because I've been chomping at the bit for 
two weeks now, uh, just, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do podcasts, but I have to, because costumes. I know that I had originally uh, made here and there comments about how I wasn't impressed with the costuming in the beginning. Uh, you know, it seemed too fresh and new and clean, uh, you know, and the weave of the fabric, the textile, very tight. So it just, it really gave, gave off this vibe that it was not at all uh, appropriate. I know it's not a period piece necessarily, but it's fantasy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. However, oh my God, uh, the at, when they got to the Aes Sedai, uh, you know, and maybe because it, you know, it's so stylized and it has to be, not has to be, but so, you know, regal and, and just amazing, uh, you know, it didn't matter. I mean, a lot, there was leather for the, it was so appropriate to each of the sex. Uh, you know, it was, um, there was a lot of leather and, and this and that and buckles for one group. And then there was, you know, lots of flowy material for others. The, mm -hmm. the colors of the fabric, so like saturated and beautiful. I don't know if they like color corrected it, but I was like, wow, somebody went nuts with the fabric. You know, I was like, where'd they find all this beautiful material? And then lastly, I will say it's, it's really been a long time. Uh, Cause I really feel like, um, uh, the the you know it's the, there was that one scene I'll call out where she was standing on the terrace overlooking the mountainside uh, and it's like it's You're like talking the about Moraine dress. where she's wearing the Moraine, flowing yes, blue dress right, yes. yes 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 and you know it's it's sort of like the wedding dress shot where you know the, as we all know the back of a wedding dress is kind of like super important you know when she's standing at the altar and I you know I was already kind of breathtaking and going and looking at this and that. And then I noticed when she was standing there, the beautiful pattern that was uh, burned into or actually probably painted, um, you know, in the, into the material was stunning. And I thought, what detailing, you know what I mean? It really made a difference. It was just, it was just that extra that really emphasized just all of the, the beauty. And, and I think that in that scene, sorry, uh, well, yes, in that scene, it epitomized the episode where uh, in this situation, costuming really... Uh, really added uh, and uh, for um, what's the word uh, for um, texture, you know, <laughs> literally. Well, we, got, uh, we we do have to wrap this up, though. Yeah, no, no, I, I I'll go. I'll let other people talk, but I I I just I really was like stunned, and I, you know, it's been a really long time, and I thought, wow, they did a great job. All right, well, we need to wrap up this uh, episode. We need to move on. I think overall we like the episode, except for maybe Rand himself, <laughs> but I. I mean, I watching it from the beginning, I knew it was going... I was pretty sure it was going to be Rand in the first place, so I was watching it that way. Uh, so it didn't bother me as much. But is he I'm in not, the book? Yeah. Is he in the book he is? Okay, I just yeah. didn't know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, well, uh, let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk about Hawkeye. And this week's episode, we get this awesome <laughs> macaroni scene with Yelena where she talks to Kate Bishop and kind of interrogates her. But kind of not in, in in the um, nicest way possible. Uh, the macaroni and cheese interrogation, I'm calling it. Uh, don't forget the hot sauce. Yeah, Hilarious. don't forget the hot sauce. It was pretty fun. I really enjoyed just their talk. Their talk, and I want Peter because he didn't talk in the last one. I want Peter to talk about this because we talked off podcast about the whole Yelena trying to kill Clint and the holes therein. Uh, so, Peter, what did you think? Um, I really liked the third episode of Hawkeye, and I'm in for Hawkeye in the sense that it's funny because a friend of mine off podcast, he doesn't like Hawkeye, and he was like, man, he's like, it just reminds me of, like, some CW show or something. And he 
I can tell he doesn't really watch CW shows. And I was like, well, actually, <laughs> that's what I kind of like about the show is it reminds me of like, and he just thought he's like, he's like, you have, he's like, you have these really big actors. And I was like, you're right. But I don't know. I don't like, to me, that's the best part of the show. And so, yes, there is a scene where Elena and um, Kate uh, basically uh, uh, have a, have a meat, have a meat macaroni and macaroni, uh, cheap macaroni and cheese, like, um, convo. And I really enjoyed it. Um, my only thing is that I liked black widow, but when they got to the scene at the end where Julia Louise Dreyfus's character basically approaches Kate and is like, this is who killed your sister, you know, and it's, and then of course we see it's a picture of Clint. I remember I rolled my eyes. I was like, Oh my God, are we going to have to do this now? Like, and so it's a weird thing where, yes, I, I love, I love, I love how Elena keeps calling her Kate Bishop. She's like, Kate Bishop, Kate. She's like, why are you saying my name? Like, cause instead of just calling her Kate, you know, I thought like, it's a really engaging scene, but it's all predicated as a viewer on something where we're like, well, clearly Elena is going to become white widow or whatever they're going to call her. So all of this is just a rigmarole of a misunderstanding. And eventually, I'm assuming Florence Pugh is going to join the good guys, whatever the new Avengers are going to be. So while I think the conversation is entertaining and I love seeing Florence Pugh on the show and everything, it just feels like narratively like a big waste of time. So that was my overall vibe. Oh, but and then before anyone, other people talk, um, good surprise that it's the mom so mom, the mom's the one, right? Elaine, uh, Kate's mom is the one who hired her, right? Right. No. Yeah. Yes, they tell. Yes, they tell you that. Goes to King. Goes to Kingpin. Yeah. Because there's a photo of her with Kingpin. So now we know that is, of course, it is official that that actually is Vincent D'Onofrio, which we all figured was. But yeah, it looks like I thought that's what she said. That is literally what she says. She's like, "This is the woman who hired me." Okay. Sorry. 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 Yeah. So um, I'll let I'll let somebody else talk. But I'm entertained. I'm I'm looking forward to the finale. I just I do just narratively think it's like. You're take you're kind of wasting time here because anybody that knows these characters knows this is not really going to happen. Right? So. It's false. It's false stakes, is what you're saying. It's false stakes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but yeah, come on. Yeah, but not everybody super- knows. I didn't know. Sta- I mean, standard superhero trope. There's always a misunderstanding. We must fight before we find out we're on the same side. Blah blah blah. I know. It's just. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will just bounce off of what peter said was that um you know i'm a little bit in the middle between him and his friend um and i said last week that now that i kind of know the rhythm and the type of show and even the beats of the comedy and this and that i've just kind of let go into it and i'm enjoying it much more and i think the show has actually gotten better but man uh it did emphasize to me uh sort of that middle level of the show because it jumped when uh you know, Yelena came on, you know what I mean? Uh, she's a fantastic actress. She's, yeah, she's wonderful really good. Yeah. In, in Black Widow. She has so much uh, charisma, you know, and just personality that the reason in, you know, in part, very much the reason that that, you know, macaroni and cheese meeting, you know, is the way that we were all talking about is just the, by sheer power of her presence, you know? And so the entire episode for me was like just bam i was like wow she really needs to be on the show like every episode uh and the only other thing i'm gonna say is i absolutely knew the mom 
it was a very sort of CW, you know, kind of whatever uh, reveal to me. I mean, I knew straight from the beginning, you know, she was too nice and she was too this and she didn't seem to have more, more than a role of just like, you know, mom, you know, who desperate for a, a, a husband or whatever. And I thought that can't be her story in this, you know, so that wasn't remotely surprising to me, but I'm not a- a- expecting, I'm not asking too much of the show. Um, and so I, I enjoyed it well enough. All right. Well, I think that no, I, I, I agree that the show has gotten better as it's gone along. When I started watching it, I didn't think much of it. And I think with every episode that's gone by, it's gotten to be better. I think one problem with it, though, is that we have just gotten to episode five. And it feels like we've reached the midpoint in the series, and instead it we ends next, next week. week. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's like it's like wait a minute. Um, you should have thought this out better, because uh, really, either either this could have been twice as long, or they should have done it, you know, put everything together much faster. Because we really do feel like we're at the midpoint. That said, there were a lot of great things in this episode to love. I loved the beginning where they blipped Yelena. Oh, that was fantastic. Uh, that was cool. Oh, that was, cool. It was a fantastic was cool. sequence because for the first moment, I was like, wait a minute, what's happening? Which is her reaction, really. And then it was like, oh, that's right. It's the blip. Of course she she was blipped. Um, but it's it's just seeing it from that perspective. So, you know, intimately like, what? What's going on? Wait. Uh, and, and feeling her confusion was really wonderfully done. I loved that. I loved her reintroduction later, you know, when she, she did the whole thing with the macaroni and cheese. Um, there was just still more more great stuff with development of the characters and and development of of you know the the deaf villainess and the, you know there, she really does have a reason to be pissed off at Ronan. Um, but yeah. so there there may be you know more evolution of there with with her character and leading all the way up of course to the reveal that it's really the mom and she's working for da 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 or with. Yeah, yeah, well, we got we to gotta wrap this up because I just looked at the clock uh, and we've only talked about two shows. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did just want to mention one thing that I loved at the end because it was a tiny little touch, but it was great. They made one little change to the graphics on the end credits where they added the silhouette, silhouette of, of Pink this. Pen, um hovering over the city. Nice. And I thought that that was just perfect. That was All perfect. All right, well, so, we got to go. And also, going into the next one, please keep it concise. We got to keep moving. We have so many shows still to talk about. All right, next up, we're going to talk about Succession. You guys have six minutes. Go! Finale. Kendall's not dead. They joke about <laughs> Kendall's not dead. They joke about it. They get that out of the way really fast. It was oh, like. And, and surprise, surprise, they cheat at Monopoly. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh... Yeah, I actually like the way they did that. They it was it was I mean they would they treated the audience the way they treated Kendall's child, which is like, you know, they they told they they revealed that he was alive in the form of a, a bedtime story. Um you know, and this this poor kid being read to this uh, read to by Logan, you, you know, you know your dad is okay, right? Okay? He's he's not dying like this cat in the story. Um, so it, it, that was, that was interesting, but just watching the machinations, this, this episode was such, uh, it was so filled with so many different changes of tone and emotion because, you know, in one moment you're, you're laughing cause they're being typically ridiculous. And then another, we have Kendall and his breakdown mid episode where he confesses to what he did with the, uh, 
the waiter and how how he got him killed and how and the the guilt that's been weighing on him since season one and just i you know i was i was always wondering how would his his siblings react to this would they immediately take advantage of it would they use it the way their dad did and i was actually surprised and pleased that they in their own damaged way um came together and and supported him and that i mean it was it was especially it was interesting to watching uh karen culkin's character because roman never takes anything seriously everything is a game and he has these defenses up in in you know sard- sardonic humor and that was still there, but he he used that, and and the writing used that, and his performance used that, to still be there for his brother, you know, in the best way that he could. Uh, so that was that was brilliant. And then they they come up with the idea of getting back at their dad when they realize that they're going to be disowned. Um, they're going to well, have, not not disowned. They're going to be they're they're going to have they're going to be uh, cut out of the control. deal. They're being cut out of the deal for the sale of Waystar Royco. And they they figure out that they can stop this with a supermajority of stocks that their mother got for them. And just the 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 watching them come together and realizing, you know, they they could have done this years ago if they had trusted each other. And we get and the whole ride over there, I'm thinking, you know, this is too good. Something's going to happen. It can't go through. And sure enough, when they get there, they realize they've been they've been undercut. They've been sold out. They've been outmaneuvered by Tom, the the hapless husband, and cousin Greg, who's not as dumb as he acts most of the time. No, well, certainly not as nice as he acts. <clears throat> I think you know, I don't I don't think he's super smart, but he's got that low cunning of an opportunist. And oh, yeah. and you know, we we always think of him as being more innocent, and it's not so much innocent. Oh no 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 no. No, no, at all. You know, he comes off that way, but he's not. And I think they, that they really leaned into that with this episode where he, he, he literally came out and said, well, who needs a soul anyway? <laughs> how about how about the second, second point of the episode where Kieran Culkin get, gets serious when he's trying to beg his dad not to do this? Mm. And, his, and Logan says, what do you have to offer? And he's like, I don't know, love? It's love? like... <laughs> Oh, you're barking up the wrong tree, dude. Uh, it was so sad, though, because, I mean, there's a part, it's, it's like underneath all of that sarcasm that he always puts up, There's he still wants to be loved and appreciated by his daddy, and there's nothing there. And it's just, it, they were, that scene was really kind of devastating, because you realize he, he wasn't kidding, he meant that. And nope. Logan, it, it was just nothing. It was It came to nothing. And right. the fact that mom went along with it because she thinks her kids were too spoiled and kind of, or, or uh, Caroline, yeah, it was a great episode. And all of this could have been resolved years ago if he had told them, if he had told his kids the same advice George Lucas gave his kids. Let's get this straight. I'm rich. You're not. <laughs> True story. Uh, all right. Uh, so thumbs up for the finale. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Peter, did you have anything to say really quick? You have about... 15 seconds. No, I, I know we're pressed for time, so uh, I loved it. I, I thought I agree with what Tom and Allison said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about really quickly about the uh, finale of Doctor Who, which I've seen about three quarters of for some reason. But uh, all, I can, fan, huh? 
Uh, all I can say is that splitting up the Doctor into three people and having three con- uh, concurrent storylines happening, and you, I think we had like three villains happening at the same time, and you just it was just too much. It was, it was too many things, too many threads. At first, when they started this whole thing, I was like, oh, this is kind of getting interesting. It's kind of complex. I'm liking it. But then it just kept getting, it became unwieldy. There's a certain point where you can't, it, it topples over. It's like Jenga or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it was just too too many balls in the air. And if I cannot, I'm pretty good at following time travel and stories and stuff like that. And when they lost me, I was like, well, I feel bad for everybody else. Like, I'm not saying I'm a genius, but these, it's like stories have flows. And if mm-hmm. you get it to where it's too complicated and I can't follow the flow, then something's wrong. So. I have two comments. Go ahead. There's a difference, there's a difference between complex and complicated. Similar to the way that they say in Spinal Tap, there's a fine lever, a fine, there's a fine line between clever and stupid. <laughs> yes, there you go. So yeah, it was just it was too many too many elements, and then it got to the point where they were like, we'll have to split up into teams to solve all of this. So you and I was like, no, 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 too much. <laughs> and and also that was their last episode of the of the year, or and we're supposed I'm like, no, man. Okay, so somebody who saw the end, tell tell me to wrap up. Was it a? It just came to nothing. It just stopped. It just stopped. 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 They ran out of film. It was so big nothing, you know, and especially when we know that um, that uh, Jodie Whittaker is going to be leaving the series and and uh, Chibnall is going to be leaving the series. So I'm going into this expecting, OK, well, I'm hating every moment of this. I got to tell you, I have I, I hated the season. I hated every moment of the season. There was not 10 seconds together that I that I found remotely entertaining. Well, I, suffered I, I, I feel like that's a little harsh. Remember, remember the angels? Remember the angels? Yeah, that was company. a good one. I, 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 like I hated those the angels good. because the, the angels were thrown away. They were they were, they were overused. They forgot, they all, the, they forgot overused. all the rules that they, they go by. They turned them into something else. And by the end, and this is typical with Doctor Who, I think I brought this up before, that it's they, they took a great character and then and then you know just mashed it into hamburger and turned it into something uninteresting but you know where the ending of this was concerned it was like you know the typical thing it's like i'm expecting at least let's get you know the regeneration let's move it forward let's see something happen no nope. and it still doesn't it's nope. just like okay we, it like at the end of another episode it, it we, was like let's move on we have a bunch of specials before we get to the the regeneration yeah oh, the Chris, there's a christmas that. special that's coming there's up a christmas but... special there's the BBC anniversary special, and then there's like the Doctor Who 60th anniversary special, and then the re- that's probably where the regeneration will take place. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, you guys will tell me about it because I've I've seen enough. I'm done. Oh, wow. Wow. When 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 we get the regeneration and it moves forward, then I think I'll be tuning back in again. But I am I am so over this. I I don't think Chibnall can run a show and certainly not Doctor Who. At least not this one. Yeah. Oh, All right. Let's wrap this. Let's wrap this one up. That was no nothing good. Now, how about that? Let's move on. Nope. Nothing good. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about Alex Ryder and we're going to talk about episodes three and four and episode three. Uh, Tom, give us a summary because I totally just forgot. It's when he meets the hacker in the warehouse and the hacker ends up uh, getting shot. Uh, uh, Scarface dude kills the hacker and, and then, then there's a big chase. 
there's a big chase, and then they accidentally, MI6 accidentally apprehends Alex and blames him for everything going sour. It's like no, no that this one he gets away. This one no, you're thinking about. Was... You're thinking about when he interrupts At the house. The, the oh, house. Right. This one he actually gets away, and and MI6 doesn't even realize he was there right. until That's much right. later. Yeah, so he actually got away this particular time. But and then, and then the next episode is is the air air airport airline, uh, right? No, no, no. no it's Amsterdam. He infu- he infu- Amsterdam. That's what I meant to say. Sorry, sorry, because I I done that already. You can he infiltrates the drop of the, the video game. Right, right. The 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 safe house of that. Well, right, that right, was right. the one where they actually shut down all the power to their neighborhood, and they use their computers at school to figure out that they need to go to Amsterdam. Right. Oh, right. They need a supercomputer. That's right. right. They need a supercomputer. Right. And then, was that that's the episode where he ends up finally going to the video game uh uh, uh how uh, the video game uh, company correct he does that yeah. in the one before and that's when he meets his friend from season one what's her name uh i can't remember, I can't her name. remember. but that's where he runs into his friend from season one and she's she's a super game. she's a super hacker and she helps them shut down the power oh, they right. go to the she school comes back. i'm really happy I don't remember much, so I won't say much. Except uh, I'm glad she came back. You know, I, I am. I thought I found her interesting at first. I found her a little too emo, uh, you know, and a little bit tropey with the like. Uh, I mean, all of hackers apparently are emo. They like. I would love. I would. I think it would be so interesting to like have a an have a hacker who lives a fantastically social, fun life, sort of like a Batman, where a like, well-adjusted hacker. Yeah, well-adjusted. <laughs> she's, she's the one but whose parents were murdered. Yeah, her parents being murdered allow her to be emo. Yeah. No, no, she was emo before they murdered her. I know. know. Yeah, but that makes her more emo. Yes. (laughs) I don't need super emo. Like, I would have, I think it would be really interesting if she was more like a Batman character where, you know, fun ne'er do well, you know, during the day and then has this whole other underworld. But that being said, I was happy to see her back. And then I'll just say, you guys talk about everything else except I love the game. I loved when he. That whole scene where he, you know, he was like, oh, God, you know, and then I had no idea how he was going to play the game. So it was a really good conceit. Oh, that, the, that they, they made him like yeah. use real bow and arrows, made it virtual yeah. reality. So yeah, I, like I, augmented reality, virtual reality. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, I, I agree that that was the yeah. only way he would have been competitive. If he actually correct. had to pay a, yeah. a actual video correct. game, he would have crashed and burned. Screwed. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a nightmare. And, it, you know, and I thought, uh, you know, before they showed what he was going to do. And but so I, I thought that was really inventive and excellent. And, and it was believable because of, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and it was really fun. Visuals, visuals and, and, and him, you know, the physical acting involved. Uh, so I thought that was great. I mean, you guys can talk about the rest of the episode. That was pretty much it. That's all I got to say anyway. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm loving <laughs> Alex Ryder. I think it's. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a really fun spy show. And if that's what you, you know, if you're into that, this is your, this is your show. All right. So we, we're going to keep going for Alex Ryder next week. And as the story goes on next up, we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery. And Tom, you said you have a thing to say. <laughs> you were about very Discovery? vocal. Yeah. No, I thought it was a good, I thought it was a good episode because last week's episode was not good. <laughs> Why did you I mean, think this was a good episode? Oh, just because you had three storylines, all were interesting. The A plot, they're evacuating this planet that's about to be wiped out by the uh, dark matter anomaly, and it turns out there's a prison on the planet, and the magistrates like, oh, we don't care about them, and a lot of them were just put there as examples. So we had a nice little commentary about the people, kind of a, a, a social, social commentary, yeah. 
a little social commentary, but the lead prisoner was Michael Gray Eyes from uh, Rutherford Falls, and he's a terrific Native he's American. He's really good. Actor. Yeah, he's, he's but really But it turned out he actually was there for murder, unlike the others. And then the the big thing is he doesn't want he won't leave. He he realizes he feels like he needs to do his penance, and he's he's accepted the fact that he needs to perish with the planet. And Michael doesn't. Michael grudgingly uh, accepts this. But uh, her boyfriend is not happy about Booker, this at because all. his whole thing is he feels like he has to save every person, Everybody. everyone possible, right? So that's the A plot. The B plot: this arrogant scientist comes on board the ship, and he's been building off of Stamets' research, which of course makes Stamets not very happy. And then it turns out the dude is brilliant. He's kind of like crazy Stamets. cray. He, say what? I says he's, he's crazy cray. cray. He's cray. Cray. Because they create they create this smaller dark matter anomaly on the ship and Suru's in command while Michael's gone Thank God. Way, it, it is not unrealistic for a naval ship to have two full captains on board even though one CO and one is EXO happens oh, all the time but um so it's interesting oh and Jet Reno's back yes love Tignatera in this role yeah, well, what's, what, what's crazy right. what's, cr- what's crazy in this episode is that the scientist is like oh we we they actually create the wormhole. And I was like, can we do this not in the middle of an evacuation? Why does this have to happen at the same time as the evacuation? I feel like that's just an extra level of danger that was unnecessary. Yeah. Well, that's just, yeah. you know, that's just that's ratcheting up the drama. That's ratcheting up the drama. I know, but I thought that yeah, Saru should have brought that up. Yeah. It's ratcheting the, up the drama in a dumb way. Correct. It's like, you know, I mean, they, they should not be doing this right now. It's, it's, you know, and that's obvious. The thing is, you know, I, I thought that this was a much better episode, certainly, than last week, which was, oh, my God, terrible. But, I mean, I, for one thing, there was no Tilly, and that's <laughs> always good. Wow. And, uh, sorry, but, yeah. And the, you know, the the, the individual stories uh, as stories um, were good. My problem is with the handling of them, because, like, you know, typical with Star Trek, or at least, you know, certainly with Discovery, is that they hammer everything over your head. Nothing is subtle. And yeah. they do it to the point where you're just saying, can we have this conversation at another time? Because we're <laughs> pressed for time right now, aren't we? Everybody, th- Everything's about to be destroyed. And and really, this is dumb. There, you know, the whole thing with the the prison, the prisoners on the the planet or the the group of asteroids, and I did love the idea of having this little connected group Chain of asteroids. Of asteroids. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was that was a neat thing. I like that. Um, but you know, when when they go in to rescue these prisoners, and the prisoners who who have been in there, first of all, for things that they shouldn't be in prison for, and should just want to get out just on principle, and and they're about to be destroyed on this. Oh yeah, and they're they're stopping for negotiations. Yeah, and they're stopping for <laughs> negotiations. It's like, it's like, well, what kind of deal can we get out of this? I mean, why should we go with you? Why should we believe you? It's oh, like you could die. Their lives to <laughs> out of this place. Why are we having this conversation? Why is this even happening now? They were uh-huh. saying though that it was fifty fifty, so that they were thinking, you know what I mean? Maybe we can stay. Do you know what I mean? And and you know, we won't die. You, you have to you have to ask first of all these people are not your jailers they're they come from the federation and they are risking their lives to get you out so wouldn't you think that 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 tells you that this is a seriously dangerous situation so bad yeah. that these people will risk their lives to to do this 
just for you. At this point, I'd say, you know what? I'm going to trust you. I, I would go because, you know, the and then negotiate is after. Totally I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. No, I negotiate I'm not afterward. Me. You know, I mean, the whole thing was dumb. And if even if, and, and, you know, the Michael was ridiculous because when somebody makes this ridiculous demand of you, you don't stand there and start bringing up Starfleet ephemera and and seeing if you can find a legal loophole. You know, that's for later. Right now, you yeah. just look at them and yeah. go, yep, yep, you have my guarantee. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> uh, Let's go. And, and that doesn't happen. And it's just it just drives me crazy. It's, you know, the, that kind of thing. What You know, we can have a moral discussion later. Right. Tom's been trying to say something for a minute. I oh. did like the C, the C plot with Colbert, and we got more of David Cronenberg, where Colbert is burning himself out and not listening to anybody, and Cronenberg just calls him out and said, dude, what are you – you're trying to forget all the stress you've been on, and you were dead for a while, and you're back. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. just know that know. and deal with it. He cuts to <laughs> yeah. the chase, I gotta go. which I just love. I love I, more, more, more of Cronenberg, please, because I really like him in this. Uh, Yusun, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just was going to say, um, t t for me, the series has been a, a bit, a little bit of a mixed bag. And uh, like Allison said, like, they're just not subtle. Uh, so the action pieces are very action-y, which is not necessarily a problem. But I've made this comment before, so I'd like to make it with this episode because it, it was uh, the quieter moments for me. You know, the more meaningful and and subtle and you know, uh, emotional. I feel like they've, they've done a really nice job, you know, like even in the writing and we've already talked about this, so I won't belabor the point, but the conversation he was having, I mean, it, it helps that the actor was, you know, fantastic in it, but um, these conversations, these smaller conversations about life and choices and responsibility. And I mean, all, you know, I, you know, grief and pain, all these kind of deeper, more meaningful things. I think they're handling really well. So I do enjoy that about this, this, uh, this week. Uh, and even the conversation, like you said, about Colbert, is that his name? Yep. Um, you know, dealing with his grief and pain. He was in bed with Stamets. And, you know, so these the smaller conversational moments, especially in this episode, uh, definitely work for me. And I think it was symbolic of how, for me, mm -hmm. the best part of this season has been about the quieter moments. Okay. I need. I want to wrap this up, though. Tom, we got to wrap it up. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Just got to remember, that in, in defense, classic Star Trek was not always subtle. Remember the the, the episode with the aliens who are white, black, or black? <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was about racism. Get it? <laughs> okay. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Station Eleven. And I want Peter to start this. We're going to talk about episode one and two. Uh, Peter, you've read the source material. Uh, and I know I don't want to have the book versus TV show conversation again, but because you're just more familiar with it, I wanted to know what you thought. Yeah. Um, basically take everything that Allison said about the foundation. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, um, I, yeah, I love the book and I really like the pilot so that, so H HBO max put, uh, they aired three episodes and then they're going to do two until it finishes and it's a limited series so it's just one story which as it should be as a book um do you want me to describe what the story is too or well i mean just tell me what you thought like did you like it did it work did it translate did you have I any think problems that, i think that for me um what i the, the two things that i really liked about the book i also like about the show which is i like the two time periods i like that it's dealing with like before before things happen after things happen and in that, I like that there's a 20-year leap 
which ironically is also what The Last of Us, another HBO big adaptation coming next year, does. Um, I like that you have characters who do not know the world the way we know it, and then you have characters like the main character, Kurt, is it Kirsten? I think it's Kirsten. Kirsten. Um, who do. There's a, there's, an, uh, there's a small scene in the second episode where Kirsten is talking to, I think, Alex, and she has a phone in her hand, but of course the phone doesn't work. And she's like, I can't believe it. Like, so you could put all the plays we do are on here and like a car, this thing, like a car could come and pick you up no matter where you lived. In the book, it was really just computers and the internet. They didn't have really smartphones, I guess, when the book, I think, was maybe made. But like that stuff, like really, I love those little moments. So I guess I was kind of curious as to how this would work as a show because it's like the small character night character dynamics are really what made the book nice that it's not really zombie apocalypse it's not like super depressing it's more about finding this new way to live in a different kind of world um and i think the show's done a good job of that overall i really like how in the pilot we see how juvon takes care of this little girl kirsten and that ends up you know saving her life because it's this crazy flu virus that kills people super fast not like the world we're living in it's like really really fast um I, I, um i'm gonna i'll stop there only with one thing only thing i didn't really care for which to me is a deviation from the book but even without it it's just kind of a tv tropey thing is that in the second episode we're introduced to two characters one played by i forgot it's the dad from veronica mars what's his name tom Oh, um, Enrico uh, Colantani. Yes. Right. So he comes to them and he's like, "Oh, we have an invitation for you. You're, you're traveling, you know, you're traveling theater musical group. We'd like you to come to the museum. Uh, I forgot what it is. What is it? What's Museum of Civilization? That part is in the book, and I know where that's going. And I was like, "Oh, that'll be interesting. And that's kind of a interesting. Like, is that a threat? We don't know. He's kind of acting weird. I like that. What I didn't like was. There's also this other kind of douchey guy that shows up who has a kid. And pretty much from the frame one, you're like, okay, this guy's obviously creepy. Something's weird about him. I I get the notion that you have to have some kind of threat. And so you kind of have to introduce this. I mean, I guess so. It's just so telegraphed. However, having said that, I did like that when she stabs him, she does kind of a cool fake out. She has this huge knife and you're like, you know, she's threatening him. Like, you you know, you, you, you know, you're creepy. You stay away from here. And then she stabs him with her switchblade that she had gotten earlier um, from the prop master. I thought that was great. Um, but yeah, I just, the notion of having that kind of character, it's the kind of thing that I'm like, I guess we need this for a TV show. But honestly, that's not the spirit of what I like about this story. So he's, he's not actually in the, in the book. Well, wait, wait, well, when she says to him, um, I forgot what it is, he basically quote, quotes the comic book, and she's like, how do you know that? How do you know that? Because as we know, not a lot of copies of that. Co in the book, there's a few copies of that thing made. In the movie, in the show, uh, Arthur Leelander says something like, oh, no, no, the little Kirsten says it's the only one in print. I don't know if that's true. No, that's it is not... actually, there's there's a line in there in, in the last episode that they aired in episode three, um, we there there is a line as she hands the book over to him. She says, "Oh, here you can keep this copy. I have others." 
Oh, you, okay. You right, could okay. miss it right. if you're not listening for it. But it, yeah, she does say that. Okay, so like that is a big. So the character I don't remember from the book, but the notion of other people have read this thing and they take a very different meaning. Yes, that is in the book, and I do like that. But I just. Yeah, he just seems so culty and everything. And I was like, ah, I don't know, man. Like, uh, like that, it just it felt a little, we've seen so many culty characters and shows. So that's all. That's that. My, my, my big, no. my big issue with that scene is yes. I like that. She, she recognizes that this guy is dangerous and she stabs him, but she then proceeds to leave him alive. Uh, which I was like, what are you doing? You had a big knife and a little knife. You stabbed him with a little knife to throw him off. And now you just, just gonna... failed assassin school. I know. So now you're just going to leave. And he's not even close to this. Like he's grunting. He's rolling around. He's... And I was like, what are you doing? And then she, she knows that he has another guy with him. And she doesn't go find that guy. She just goes and sleeps with some random dude in her tent and wakes up in the next morning and is surprised that, that dude's not there. And I was like, <laughs> that was awful. That's the thing that bothered me the most. I will say I like the pilot better than the second episode. I thought the pilot was great. I really liked like the, the little, little girl. girl. I like the little girl version. The little girl's fantastic. Yeah, yes. I really liked her. I really liked the world right as it was changing. I thought all of that was really good. Once you get to the Shakespeare stuff, it gets really weird. And I was like, I don't know what this oh, show I, is. I, well, that's what I, I like. I do like Yeah, but I'm just saying right now for me, because I haven't read the book, I don't know what this is. Like, I'm curious, but I don't know what this is. That's yeah, all. I'm, I, I have not read the book either. I, 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 I was really entertained by it i will admit though i think the the tone changes after the first episode and it's not just the fact that the first episode is mainly about you know the the plague in progress but and and later we're like 20 years later but it's the there's a tone that shifts there's less humor in the following two episodes um even we're only talking about the first two though we were only talking about the first two well, okay, I thought we were talking about three because they no. all air together. No, we're not, um, but because even, okay, I, I so, didn't watch the third one at all. Okay, all right. So um, just even, but even between the first episode and the second one, there is a tonal shift. There's less humor. Uh, there's a weird, quirky hum- humor in the first episode that Which I, I like. really, really loved. Yeah, and and I, I thought that was terrific. And the girl, the little girl, um, great, is yeah. absolutely fantastic as the young Kirsten. Uh, I don't know where they found her, but she's she's wonderful. And the rapport that she has with uh, Hamish Patel, who plays Jeevan, is just wonderful. I just I believe them I as 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 a unit, as you know, her trusting him and and them being together. The the progress of this plague, you know, it, it is super fast and everything. I the, the there were a few things though that I guess didn't ring true, maybe because it comes from the book. Um, it, but it seems odd that they didn't change it. Having obviously filmed this during a real pandemic is that certain things happen. Like, you know, there's, there's this lack of hysteria, uh, among people. Well, yeah, no one wears lack masks. Of a, nobody wears masks, including yeah, it was weird. The, the, the people in the hospital, even the, even the, the nursing and doctors, you know, staff, the, they don't, nobody's wearing a mask and it's, it's crazy. It's like, why are you not doing this? And then the other thing is that when when uh, Jeevan takes Kirsten to go, you know, into the supermarket to grab all the stuff he possibly can and comes out with like nine thousand dollars worth of groceries, 
why is he alone? That place would be packed with people doing the same thing. Well, I think thing. the whole premise was that she, the, 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 his sister gave him a heads up. So he was ahead of everybody. Yeah, she yeah, did, but she sister, can't be the, the only one in the know. In the game, I thought, I thought the sister. She, she, yes, that's true. But there can't be the, she can't be the only one in true, the, in that's the, true. In the yes, city that's of true. Chicago who suddenly realized, you know what? This is much worse than people are being told. I'm going to call my family and tell them to get out of Dodge. And, it's, and, and it would be, like I said, it would be packed with people because those people would tell other people and other people would notice that other people are panicking and they panic too. And it would just snowball so that by the time they got into the supermarket, it wouldn't be empty. It would be just wall-to-wall people grabbing things from each other. Um, you know, I mean, and all the toilet paper would, would be gone. First, so. <laughs> but so let's move on. We need to, we need to move on. We need to move on. But, but overall, I want to go back and, and say that overall, I'm really enjoying this series and I really enjoy that their, their new and more positive take on how people would react and treat each other. Um, if Agreed. something like this, happened. yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the expanse, which we did not talk about last week. And that's totally my fault. We forgot. Uh, but we get to talk about episode one and two together, which really works because they're kind of together anyway. They kind of play as one episode. So uh, that was maybe fortunate that we did that. Uh, so Expanse is back. Uh, we did a 187-day time jump between the end of last season and the beginning of this season. And the only thing you really need to know is uh, the Belters have been bombing Earth with asteroids which a bunch got through at the beginning a lot got through and so the earth is screwed like crops won't grow it's really bad and uh then you now they've managed to stop them but it requires the entire the entirety of earth's fleet to shoot down these missiles before they can get to earth so they're basically at a standstill and the premise of the next couple episodes is really them figuring, getting a handle on it, and figuring out what they need to do to stop these these uh, asteroids from hitting Earth. That's one story, and then you have Anaris on series with his idiot son, and showing that he's basically living like a dictator and to true to form. Uh, is there? And then I forgot. Is there a third story? Am I forgetting something? We get these things at the beginning of the episode of these colonists on the planet. Oh, right, this little girl oh, yeah. with pet. That's, the openers, that's the cold openers. On a, that's based on a novella they did, and I watched the after shows. I'm sorry, when I see a cute little kid and some kind of alien creature, I'm like, you're about to become lunch, girl. Thank you. I kept waiting for her to be eaten. <laughs> I 100% kept waiting for her to be eaten. And I did not. I don't understand what these little this little story is about, but I'm sure as it unfolds, it'll make more sense. I um, hate it. I, and <laughs> also... And also, uh, I thought it was a good storyline with Peaches, you know? Um, oh, yeah. Where, you know, where um, that, that whole, I think, did, did I miss something? But we didn't even talk about that whole um, action sequence on the outside of the ship and, you know, From, how she, you know, eats, chews the mod thing. And um, throwing up in the helmet was disgusting. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> We know that was set up. I mean, we know that's a thing, so it wasn't for you know, it wasn't a gimmick. Um, but uh, but, no, but it was all the... set up to to the fact that she was doing stuff on her own, and so you get to have the captain chew her out for not following orders because that wasn't part of the plan. Correct. But I look. But, but I love. Oh. Uh, I love the reaction. Amos is like, "Why are you smiling? You know, you just got chewed out." 
And she's like, that's the first time you said, I'm a part of this crew. That was right. nice. Yeah. Like, oh. yeah, that was good. Yeah, I thought that was great. And then they brought, um, uh, what's her face back? You Bobby. Know, the- Bobby. 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 Uh, finally, I was waiting for her to come back and do what she does best, you know? So, um, yeah, I actually had this revelation. I think uh, we talked about it, uh, Libya, after the first episode. And I absolutely specifically was like, it's over? I was like, this needs to be a two-parter. What were they thinking? You know? So I almost, uh, I feel like it's so frustrating for me that I have, I have, there's a part of me, and I so loved the show. I burned through, you know, the back episodes uh, and was super upset that I realized, oh, I, I watched it all too quickly because now I have a whole month to, or more to wait uh, for its return. Um, I'm half tempted. If Listen, if I didn't do podcasts, and yes, I can silence you guys, whatever, I would almost be willing to wait until the series is done so that I can sit down and watch the last four as like a movie, you know, or a movie plus sequel, right? Because they're, what, 40 minutes long? Um, <clears throat> we've seen a lot of streaming shows where you get an hour, you know, or more or whatever. Um, so 40 minutes absolutely seems too short, uh, especially riding on the fact that there's only six uh, there's only six episodes in this season in, in its entirety. Um, so I'm, I'm like already disappointed, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it'll, it'll, I'll wait to see how that works out. But I thought it was a good comeback. And when they were doing the boarding the ship and all of that, it, it was a good it was a great reminder of the one uh, uh, one of the aspects I love very much about the show is their um, action space sci-fi sequences are amazing you know the the the, the visual effects the CGI uh, but also just the, just the action set pieces are really really great so that to me was really fun to just see it again and be like oh right this is they do this great you know so I, I really enjoyed the double episode I'm gonna call it one episode yeah it felt like that Peter you did watch it as one episode. I did watch it as one episode, and I I like it because I love the expanse. Um, I really didn't like the stuff with the little girl. I thought that was pretty bad. I mean, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to diss a child actress or anything, but I just was really like, what is going on here? Yes, love Bobby's return. Love seeing Avasarala. Love that. Love that. My friends and I always joke about. Love that Avasarala has to swear, and she swears like. Like her third line back is swearing. And I was like, that. I love that, you know? I mean, I just, my biggest thing is, and I was worried about this in the last season, I think that I, the actor playing Anaris is good. Like he's good. Like he's, I understand why he's a, a leader, a revolutionary leader and everything, but I just don't care. Like, I mean, what, what, what I loved about The Expanse as a show in the first three seasons is that People have different interests, and in the background, there's this proto-molecule thing. It's like, oh, what is going on with that? So in the last season, we saw something red, because the proto-molecule is blue. So it's like, oh, what does this thing mean? And I'm like, we've only got six episodes. So I'm like, dude, if they had started this premiere and gone, oh, Anaris's revolution was defeated, I'd be like, that's fine. Let's get, who cares? Like, let's, let's get to the good stuff. That's my issue that I'm having here, is that, like, I don't, I just don't care about that. Like, again, the actor's not bad. And actually, I think the son has some weird pervy stuff going on that is mildly entertaining, I guess. Like, but I just, it just feels like with only six episodes, this, is that it? That's the big finale? Is it's just the big standoff with some cult leader? Not cult leader, some revolutionary leader? That's the end? It's not about... The, th- the things that are beyond human understanding. I think it's that good. I think they're going. I, I think they're going there. I think 
by the end of the second episode, uh, we have Holden has figured out that there's something weird about the book. Right, he right, sees so, the same yeah. thing, and he's like, I need more information. We got to figure out what this is. So I think you're, I don't think it's going to be just Daenerys. I do think we're going to find out about this new protomolecule. And... I think so too, but I think that, you know, they've, they've, they really are going to be tight for time here. Oh, because absolutely. Because we already, we've, we've, we're two episodes in, which means we've only got to wrap all this up in, in the next four episodes. Four episodes. And uh, easily, I think that they, they, this could have been twice as long, if not longer, in order to hit all the points. Because, yeah, it's, it's really going to be, it's you know, be tight. shoved together. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be compressed. The stuff with the uh, with the the kids and their parents on the planet and the strange dogs is from the novella called Strange Dog, but it does tie into some of the larger things happening. So they made a conscious decision to incorporate some of that in, and to their credit, because they had moved some stuff from book six into season five, they have just enough real estate to 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 land the plane. Okay, At we'll least, see. It, that they came up in in the after show. Okay. It's just tonally, it seems so divorced from the rest of the series. I assume that it's going to tie in eventually, but right now it just feels weird as a, an opener each time. Right. Well, we need to wrap this up. Uh, I think overall we're still saying thumbs up. We're a little oh, yeah. worried about the it, it coming down, but I think we're still thumbs up. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the Witcher premiere, and we're only going to talk about the first two. I don't know if everybody slammed through it and finished it in one night. No. Almost. I I had to restrain myself. I had to restrain myself because I was enjoying it. I'm really liking season two of The Witcher. I really like uh, Siri learning from him and being a student and going through her training and or at least starting her training. Um, I really like the father daughter aspect that they've added to the show, and I like having the other Witchers around. I like that he's not the only Witcher. <laughs> I love that everybody's like, "Oh, you got a daughter." <laughs> <laughs> The first episode, which, but I don't know if anybody recognized him because it was that first episode is based on a short story, and the actor who gets revealed at the end when they finally break the curse, that guy's from Game of Thrones. He played um, the wildling that had a thing for Brienne, and I'm blanking on it. Tormund. He he played that guy, Tormund Giantsbane. Oh, he looks. Really oh, that was the same guy. Beard. Yeah, no beard. The beard, take the beard off of him. And you're like, oh, who the heck man. is that? He's goofy without wow. the beard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I because he has recognized the voice. Though, yes, so his voice. Okay. That's the thing. Is he has a very he's he's from like Finland or somewhere mm-hmm. like that, and so he had that accent, and I was like, and then when they revealed him, I was like, saw he was a ginger. I was like, oh, that's him. And I knew, he, and I also knew he was going to be on the show. I knew he had been cast for season two of The Witcher, so I was looking for him. I was hoping I just, he was going to be a Witcher. That was not to be. I just love girls. The, the dude is like, you know, put me out of my misery. And girls like, you're human, human now. now. Do it yourself. Yeah, that was great. That was great. I mean, I I knew that he knew that the woman was in the walls. I didn't know what kind of monster she was, but I was like, it's not going to be good. And then she like put on a dress and it was like confusing. And then she comes to see Siri and her, you know, while she's asleep. And I was like, still like, nah, I still feel like she's a monster. Um, and so when they finally reveal everything, I thought that was cool. And then I like that she put the doubt in Siri's head that he's going to see you as a monster too. Like all of that was good. 
All of that. I liked I liked the first episode a lot. And then I I liked yeah. the kind of misdirect. It felt like they just sort of walked into the middle of Beauty and the Beast. Right, 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 right. Exactly. And, and with all the tropes including the the the, the, the their version of the the statues of uh-huh. the uh, servants and and all of that. Um it was it was Really, I'm thinking, okay, so they just sort of walked into somebody else's story. That's interesting. And then they took the other twist and had it be this, this. I think it was a bruja that they called it, um, the the girl who was the creature, um, you know, and took it in a completely different direction. So that was a, a neat little misdirect. I had watched, I had um, mostly finished Witcher season one, and then I saw Allison was just like, Oh my god, this is this is amazing! And then I saw that like the show got really good reviews, and I know Libby is going to be mad at me, but I finished I so I finished the Expanse last night, and I was like, you know what? Do they have a recap of The Witcher? Because I play the game, I was like, I think I'll probably be all right. But I gotta say, man, I this was the opposite to me. This was the same but opposite of Hawkeye in the sense that sort of what Allison was saying of like, yeah, it's clearly kind of like a Beauty and the Beast situation. Clearly, this guy's lying. Clearly, we know something's going on. But man, I was into it. I was like, I want to see. Like, what? Is, why is he lying? What's going on? What's that weird? What's the weird girl in the ceiling? What is? What does all this mean? Like, so even though narratively, I'm like, well, really, we know this. We know we can't trust him. We know we can't trust him. We know we're gonna get to some surprise. I was totally into it. And if it wasn't so late. I would have watched the next episode. I was I was totally on board. I thought it was really good. So I, All right. I, uh, Allison, you were saying something, too. Somebody rudely interrupted you, named Peter. <laughs> I don't remember what I was in the middle of saying. There, I, I was just talking about um, how I liked that it was a, a misdirect into Beauty and the Beast, and I liked how they did a twist on that at the end. Any comments about the second episode? That scene when they when the um, when the elf and Yennefer and um, oh the they went to the witch's house when 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 did they go to the the cabin the cabin in the woods the cabin in the woods yes 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 the editing the editing in the scene when was they're all fantastic the somebody else was terrific yeah that was so, really good and I just want to give a shout out to Cavill I don't think he gets enough props he's really good I mean he's more than just you know grunting he's guy more than just a He's more than just a set of pecs. Um, <laughs> the, the way that he uses his lower vocal register to create this character of Geralt, and he's he, he's an interesting character because he's kind of a wild card. Sometimes he like sometimes I'll care, and sometimes I don't give a black. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, I think I, we're, go ahead, go ahead. No, I I did like the episode. I I, I like. The introduction of, of Vesemir, who's, you know, a yes. character who's He's from Killing Eve. Developed. Killing Eve. Yeah. The, well, the, the the actor, yes, is Constantine in Killing Eve. That's that why was, I knew him. Oh, yes. Man. And I, I was I was going, oh, that's interesting to see him in this. Um, so I like that. I, I liked um, the where they're going with with uh, uh, Siri as a character. Um I'm not quite sure whether it's the lighting or whatever, but I, I've noticed that her eye color keeps changing, and I, I don't know if she's supposed to be blue-eyed or green-eyed. Or Siri, Siri has or... contacts in. Her eyes are supposed to be magical, like the witcher's eyes, but a different color. 
Okay, but what the, the thing is, it just keeps changing color and, and depending on the scene. So I'm I'm not sure what her eye color is, and it's it's just kind of distracting. But I mean, if they they referenced it and said, well, when she feels this way, her eyes turn blue or whatever, then I'd get it. But it doesn't. So, yeah. But that's a mi- minor thing. Um, overall, I I think the the episode was uh was great. I love the introduction of this you know, Citadel for the ruined Citadel, really for the witchers, uh, to, to practice yeah. in and be created in. And, and all of that was, was really well, a great. question. Did you guys see the animated, uh, bridge prequel thing? There's an animated witcher, uh, story, which introduces, you're seeing it from Vesemir's point of, Vesemir's view. Point of view. It's his point right, of when view. When he was young. When he, he was, was young. young, and then when the Witcher, Geralt, he's only like nine or ten. And so we see why they're living at this ruined citadel. Because their main home base gets attacked by basically the town folk with pitchforks and stuff. They decide that the Witchers are monsters, and they attack them. And that's why their their new base is secret. And the the animated thing is it's only like an hour and it's pretty good. It's really violent though. Okay. So but like the Witcher's really violent. Yeah, Yeah, but there's something I don't know, just seeing I started watching it and just after a while it's like, dude, I mean I don't need to see this much blood in a cartoon. It's (laughs) it's not a cartoon, it's it's an animated version of the Witcher. It's the same level of violence. So it didn't bother me at all think that it was the same level of quality though i i gave up after about 15 minutes because i just it, it just wasn't very well done i thought i, I think um, this i just like the story the, the story i thought was really good can i, well, can that, I ask I, a I witcher just, question wait oh, go ahead peter go ahead i have a question as because I, because i again i watched like seven and a half of the episodes two years ago or whenever that thing aired um what I liked about the premiere of season two is the same thing I like about The Crown, which is a sentence I thought I would never usher, um, <laughs> which is that the crown, what the crown's really, what Netflix's The Crown is really good at is that even though it's telling a co- cohesive story, they can take an episode in a very specific time with a very specific story, as opposed to something like The Walking Dead, you're basically just continuing one one thread. And then there are shows like Law and Order where it's like, it's a standalone episode. The Crown Jim is Jones. sort of like a combo where it's like, you're continuing a story, but you're focused so, so much on this one thing. So the premiere of this is pretty good in that way. It's like, oh, well, okay, so he's going to have to teach Siri and get her to safety, but then they go to this place and you have a very specific story. Is that the design of the show or no. was that a one-off? That was a one-off. That, oh, the thing I is, like that. the the thing is, the 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 way it works is this: the material has ongoing story, and it also has a bunch of short stories. And what that ah, okay. episode was was one of the short stories. And right, the right, writer right, right. creator of the show, she really likes the short stories. So I'm not saying we're not going to get another short story. We probably absolutely will get another short story because she likes peppering in the short stories oh, with mean, the main story. Oh, for sure. And obviously, in the premiere, we also have the ongoing story of what's going on with Yennefer. Right. That's more of that's a continuing story. Right, right, right. So, but I just I really liked it. So, Allison, you've watched more, and you're still liking it. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really enjoying the series. It's not as clever, um, I think, story wise as the first series, or structurally, I should say, as as the first 
series was because the um you know well, they the they did a thing. time shift right. thing that, that that we you're only you only become aware of like partway through the season and right. it starts to make sense right. and so that that I thought was very clever and they do, they don't do that with with season two it's it's linear but which the is probably a good thing. I was about to say. Well, it's less confusing. It is less confusing. I, I know a lot of people that so dropped scary. off of season one because they didn't understand what was happening. So I'm okay with it being linear at this point. And I also appreciated that the recap was linear. I was like, oh my God, thank you. So... <laughs> okay, it all was a freaking together bone, for me. man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all well, right, well, we, yeah, we need so to. This is, this is easier to follow, certainly. Yeah. And, I, and the characters are so well developed that we're really engaged with them now. Well, we need to wrap this up, so I think we're saying thumbs up. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. That's a coin. All right, so uh, I know next week is Christmas, so we're probably not going to be podcasting next week. Uh, so we will see you when we see you. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to tvcatfire at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can listen to us on sci-fi.radio and <laughs> iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.